0: Welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson, and I'm joined here, as always, by the man who has been uh, looking up every single update about the Patriots offensive coordinator situation, hoping for a new offensive coordinator. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I am doing great. Uh, You know, we interviewed our tight ends coach today, so that's exciting. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) At least he's an offensive guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at least he, you know, coached that side of the ball before this season, so that helps. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah that that at least you're
1: moving in the right direction yeah um how are you doing man how's it going do- how are you you recovered from the loss
0: yeah uh, i'm I'm okay uh, i i'm fine definitely it was sad but at the same time kind of what i said in the podcast you know it felt like if we won we'd win the right to lose to the 49ers anyways the cowboys i think have a chance i think it, the nfl always right in the nfl world listen losses happen right you can't you can't get to if you're Going to be upset every time your team doesn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, you're going to be upset a lot in watching sports.
1: Yeah, uh, that is true. That is true. Um, mm-hmm. But you ultimately do want the championship, which we still have eight teams left that have a chance to win that championship. Uh, this should be a very exciting week. Uh, I, I, there, there's a few of these games I legitimately don't know. Yeah,
0: there's. There's two of these games I could see going either way. Uh, I, I I feel okay about picking two of these. I think we kind of know which ones those are. The one seeds are favored in this one by a significant margin, by over seven points. But we have a couple games that are very close,
1: and I think maybe even one of the games the line should be closer. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And I mean, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I think one of those one seeds could be on upset alert. Yeah. Again. Anything could happen.
0: Uh, These are eight good teams. You don't get here by being a bad team, uh, maybe. Might be one team that (laughs) you could argue argue the contrary.
1: Yeah, um, definitely a favorable matchup, that's for sure. So it's going to be fascinating to see. I think there's interesting matchups this weekend to look at. And um, yeah, you want to get into it?
0: Yeah, let's get into it. Just you know, again, thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in at an unusual hour uh, and working with us on one of our on our ever changing schedules. We appreciate all that everyone in the chat. Uh, or if you're watching after the fact, hey, it's just as fun after the fact. I think. Um, let's get into it, Kyle. I, I want to start off with, uh, you know, let's start off with Bengals Bills. I think this one is getting billed, uh, no pun intended, as the 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 matchup of the week. And I totally get it, right? I mean, you're talking about two teams that we felt like were Super Bowl contenders from the start of this season have lived up to the hype this year for the most part and are now here competing for a spot to probably we would assume go on and take on Kansas City and we'll know uh or you know it wouldn't necessarily be in Kansas City if Buffalo wins, but to play Kansas City uh and you know and we'll know by the time of this game who they will be playing. Uh just you know the hype around this game is definitely real.
1: Yeah. Especially, you know, when you think back to week 17, obviously this game didn't happen and that was probably, you know, uh, obviously, they're you know, good reason to cancel the game, obviously, and void the game. But that was probably the most hyped game of the regular season at that point, too. All of the playoff implications mm-hmm. that were at stake during that game, all the stuff. Uh, I mean, two of the probably the best four teams if you were to power rank teams, five teams in the NFL if you were to power rank teams. So everything about this game has been billed as, you know, a heavyweight title fight. And I think there's a lot of interesting matchups. And I think legitimately, both teams have a legit argument to win this game.
0: Yeah, well, let's just get into it. Um, you know, Kyle, I have some concerns about this Bengals team, r- specifically the injuries. I think if this is a healthy Bengals team, this game feels different. But with all the offensive line injuries, you have a good pass rush for Buffalo. They can rush the passer well. They've been very good at it all season. Now they lost Von Miller, obviously in the middle of the season. That hurts. There's no denying that. But Gregory Rousseau's had a very good year. Uh, and then I think they can, you know, with Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson, AJ Espinenza, they can kind of. Those guys can be the rotational second option there uh, for Cincinnati. I'm worried about the offensive line situation and the pass rush situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like Epinez is back too. I think he practiced Monday, so he should be good to go. Um, It's going to be – it's really tough because, I mean, even just going back to Week 17, I was very confident the Bengals were going to win the game. I think this team on the outside is significantly better than Kansas City and Buffalo. I think that's a huge advantage in today's modern NFL. But you also can't be garbage on the offensive line. You can't be, you know, reeling at that spot. And if they're not ready to go, if, you know, we've seen a out there at right tackle. It's not a pretty sight. Uh, If Jonah Williams is also down, that's a huge problem. And Alex Kappa as well. I mean, it just seems very tough to see a roadmap for them to, uh, it seems a very tough roadmap to them to find a win here. If they're down three of their five guys.
0: Yeah, I I think so as well. And I also think that the, the bills, you know, say what you want about these corners and they've had definitely uh, a lot of ups and downs. I think a lot of these corners have, but have not had the consistency you would like, but one thing that they do well is they disguise. Well, they don't make it clear what they're doing right away. They will help out uh, in certain situations. Now, Will there be opportunities where you get Jamar Chase one-on-one? Yes, there will. And it feels like for Cincinnati to win, they're going to have to take advantage of just about all of those opportunities.
1: Yeah, and that's a big thing because, uh, I mean, I think I said in here the other day that it was the, um, you know, he's on track to become the greatest receiver of all time. So I like mm-hmm. him in any one-on-one scenario. Sure. Um, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how the Bills try and line up against this one because I think one of the things we saw last week about uh, Cincinnati – is they got the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands quicker than ever before. A lot of it was a quick passing game and that's how they try to get the ball downfield and I mean they had some success doing that against Buffalo in that first quarter of that game before the game was stopped obviously. Um so if if they're going to try and do that sort of stuff I you know a lot of it is going to come down to you know can these guys on Cincinnati be kind of yak machines that they haven't been able to, they haven't really been asked to do that because they asked to go downfield win one-on-one battles on the outside that's what they're really good at I think Chase can still do stuff like that which is why I think one-on-one coverage is a problem because if he catches the ball against one guy and he makes a miss he's gone right
0: yeah and and that's another thing yeah I I agree and I think uh, don't be afraid to take the check down in this spot and it does feel like for Burrow it's like you have to limit the sacks in this one this is something that we've talked about Burrow kind of his one weakness is he takes too many sacks probably has to you know, be more careful of that here. Cause I I do think that this isn't necessarily the team that you can easily get convert on third and 17s on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So it's going to be, I mean, so if we look back at that game for the little bit that we saw, do you take anything from those first one and a half possessions each? Uh,
0: You know, I didn't even really look at it too much. I, uh, for one thing, it's not on the game isn't on NFL game pass. So it was hard to go back and uh, check it out too much, but also, uh, I don't know. I mean, a little bit, but it's such a small sample size. It's hard to take too much away from it.
1: Yeah. I will say the one thing I do remember from that game, from that first bit, was Cincinnati was walking the ball down the field, basically, Mm -hmm. uh, up until that point. They went down and scored on their first drive. They were on their way to seemingly scoring on their second drive, and a lot of it was, you know— Basically, running these guys across the middle on these linebackers—that I think is pretty good coverage linebackers for Buffalo. But this is just a different animal when facing the Cincinnati team. Can they hold up blocking enough? Because Lyle Collins was also out that game. You know, he wasn't playing in that game. There now, the problem is now the other side is also hampered. You know, can they continue to get these crossing routes developed enough to be able to beat this Bills secondary? Because that part hasn't changed. I don't think this Bills secondary is good. I know they played they played Skylar Thompson last week. They looked all right at times. Um I don't think this Bills secondary is good. I don't think that's a good matchup for Buffalo. They're trying they're going to try and win this game at the line of scrimmage. Is that going to be possible?
0: Yeah, well it's it's the classic Cincinnati dilemma, right? I mean, this is what Cincinnati we've talked about Cincinnati I feel like for the past 2 years now is their offensive line isn't in great shape. But uh, who cares? Because you have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Uh, But I think this is a tougher hill to climb than they had pretty much any of the playoff games last year other than the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. So and then there's the other side. So we Mm -hmm. we talked about our concern for the Bengals. I don't think anyone's really, you know, thrilled with the way the Bills have played the second half of this season, right? Like they came out like buzzsaw. They came out like a buzzsaw to start this year. They look fantastic doing it. I think basically, from that part, that little losing streak gone, has anyone been thrilled with Buffalo? And there are cons- there are some concerns on that side of the ball for me too. I think there's some legitimate concerns for them with the way that they a take care of the ball. So, you know, the secondary receivers were good against Miami. Can they continue to be good week in and week out? I think that's always been a question for Buffalo. They've been, been able to run the ball pretty well the second half of the season. Can that keep up? I do think there are some questions for that side of the ball for uh, Buffalo.
0: I, I hear that. Uh, the Buffalo, I mean, one thing is, first off, there's no quarterback with a higher variance than Josh Allen in terms of his best game compared to his worst game every year, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's no quarterback who's, who's there. Because his worst game, he looks like, you know, he, he'll look like a bad quarterback out there. And his best game, I still think, is better than anyone else's best game.
1: Yeah. He's the modern Favre. That's mm-hmm. basically what he is. He, he he has the propensity to do something stupid. And he has the propensity to do something that nobody else in the league can do. It's very right. hard to gauge. Um, But he's going against a coverage unit that, you know, it's been impressive this season watching the Bengals because, you know, we were we were questioning can this hold up? You know they they had got on a hot run defensively I thought last season on the way to the Super Bowl, and you know they they drafted Cam Taylor Britt who I think has been all right at that corner spot, but they didn't really add a whole lot to this defense. And you're like can they do it again? Uh, can they have similar success that they did in the year prior? Um, and they kind of have. They've been a very good coverage unit I think throughout most of the season, and that's with Awuzie basically being hurt most of the season, who's their best secondary player.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the injury uh, is, you know, concerning. Um, I think that's fair to say. I also think that, you know, here's here's a stat, Kyle, I'll throw at you that I think changes the way I view this game. Josh Allen, here's one of the more interesting stats in football, I think. When he's blitzed, his passer rating is 82.1. That's 36 best in football out of like 44 eligible quarterbacks. When he's blitzed, he has not been the the offense has not been effective this year. When he is, uh, when he's not blitzed, sixth best passer rating in football at 102.5, best PFF grade when he's not blitzed. Uh, if you don't blitz him, he torches you apart. That's just been the story of the this year in 2022, now 2023. Bengals 22nd in blitz percentage, they don't blitz a ton. And I think there's, I think that's concerning. The Bengals kind of like to play what they play. And typically, the Bills have had no issue. If Josh Allen knows what's happening, uh, you know he tends to do a pretty good job. Part of why I think he had an issue in Miami was because of some of these different pressures. One of them resulting in a fumble touchdown. Uh, I don't know since then he's going to get those types of plays in this one.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with that, um, and it's a lot of it has to do with that. Josh Allen is basically outside of Mahomes, maybe the most unsackable player in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. as far as court. Yeah. I mean, he just buys so much time. Like a guy's eventually going to get open. Um, it, It's going to be interesting to see how Lou Anar- Anarumo approaches this game and how, what he wants to do in this setup. Because like you said, he, he, when he gets pressured, he makes mistakes. We've seen it time and time again. Josh Allen is Josh Allen definitely makes mistakes. Can they do enough? Can they create enough pressure to make mistakes? And you know can Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson cuz they're going to ask those guys to do it a lot on their own can they do it with four i think that's a big question
0: yeah those guys are going to have to come through as well Again, uh, you know what i'm i'm typically the pass rush don't pay as much attention to it i think pass rush is huge in both sides cuz that's another the bengals have an advantage there as well is they, i think you know they should be able to get pressure as uh you know the the bills have a tackle that you can you can beat and that's where you want to take
1: advantage yeah i think i agree with that so um what, what else do we have to talk about this game? Nothing special uh, teams-wise. Yeah. The Cowboys.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, Let's pick the game. Uh, I'll go first because, again, I'm winning by three points right now. So it's it's still anyone's game. Uh, I'm going to just put one point on this one. I think it's close enough that it could go either way. We have 15 points we have to put on each game. Uh, you know, you don't want points. Points are bad. You get the points if you get the game wrong. Um, I am picking the Bills by, and I'm putting one point on it. I have 28 points.
1: 22 bills. I'm predicting the one. Um, I am gonna, I'm going to stick with my pick from week 17. I locked up the bangles there. I know there's injuries on the offensive line. I still love these guys on the outside. I think they win this battle. Give me the bangles in this one. I'm going to go 31 to 24. Okay.
0: It's interesting. And, uh, you putting one point on it. Uh, two points, two, two points. points. Oh, wow. You're, you're confident. Let's get it done. Come on. Come on. Cincy. <laughs> okay, well that would be a, a big big win for you if you can get it. Um, the you know it's it's interesting. Uh, my thing is, you know, I, I picked Cincinnati to win a couple weeks ago, but I just think they're injured now. I don't love their injuries, and but I, I didn't really fully realize the again the difference in Josh Allen blitz versus not blitz. I think those couple things sort of shifted the way I view this game.
1: Yeah, and you know, on Bills, I have to say, because I talked about Cincinnati walking the ball down the field in that game for the first two drives, Buffalo did manage to get the ball downfield pretty quickly in that game. But the other part of this game that you know I think needs to be talked about is, while I think Josh Allen is very good against non-blitzing teams, he still has to execute in the red zone. And those guys are going to throw a ton of coverage downfield in the red zone situation too. Can he not make mistakes in the red zone? I think that's going to be a huge part of this game again. Yeah, it, it,
0: and it is, again, it's scary to pick the Bills one. Like, I definitely trust Burrow to protect the football much more than I trust Allen to do it. And, like, you can't, I don't think the Bills can overcome, like, a minus two turnover differential in this one.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either, because I think Cincinnati's going to score. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. So, again, should be an awesome game. Very much looking forward to it. I think there's two games that I'm very much looking forward to. Cowboys Niners being the next one, which is a game that, you know, if you asked me a week ago, I would have said, ah, 49ers they got this one. Now I'm not so sure. I think that the uh Cowboys could do some nice things in this one. The you know, the weird thing about the Cowboys is like you look at their like PFF grades this season in a lot of categories it's not that impressive. Like a lot of what they've like done uh player by player isn't that great. I think that their personnel isn't outstanding, but you look at their overall like offensive points per drive I believe is top 5 in football. They've they've gotten the results and maybe that's coaching. You know, your guy Mike McCarthy, uh you got to give him credit for it. Um going up against the best defense according to uh points per drive. This is and just I think with uh, people with eyes uh can tell that. This has been an uh, elite defense against an elite offense. Uh it's good on good here.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know these these are the two top two defenses in EPA per play too. Um, so gotcha. the, yeah, these are gonna this is a fascinating matchup. Looking at these two teams, um, uh, you know, it I, I agree with you. If you asked me three or four weeks ago, I'm probably taking the 49ers pretty handedly. But you know, we I have been harping on the best version of this Cowboys team can beat anybody. But the problem is, is that you know. We saw it last week with Tampa Bay. We saw it in the Minnesota game and there was another game too. They were awesome. Um, I think the Detroit game too, like the best version of this Cowboys team can beat anybody, but we've only seen it like two or three times this season. The best version of this Cowboys team. Can we get it consistently enough? And can we do it in a very tough environment in San Francisco against a very good defense?
0: Yeah. It feels like we're going to see a lot more of those, you know, uh, zone buster type plays as the, you know, 49ers love their, like a lot of teams, love their cover three, cover four kind of thing. Though I'll definitely throw some man in, especially on third downs. Um, You know, so I expect kind of Cowboys like to run their zone busters, like the children uh, run the ball a lot and then kind of try to get stuff set up about it. I'm expecting a lot of cover three because Dallas likes to run the ball. Um, The question that I have is, you know, if you're trying Fred Warner a lot in this game, is that the right strategy?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're going against probably the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. But Levante David's not that far behind. And I thought they kind of picked him apart, too. They picked apart a lot of those guys in that Tampa defense in that game, um, Mm -hmm. specifically their corners, uh, too, where I think San Francisco's a little bit weaker as well. So, you know, can they pick apart those guys on the defense? I think it's going to be a very tough ask. But I was just so impressed with the way that it didn't seem – it didn't matter what scheme Tampa Bay decided to run last week. They were able to do it. You know, Tampa, uh-huh. we, we talked about a Sunday night or Monday night, you know, when they when they ran zone, Dallas had the answer for it. When they ran man, Dallas had the answer for it again. And a lot of it has to do with these tight ends and the way they move these guys around the field, because I think I think Ferguson and Schultz are terrific. I think the way they use them is terrific. And can they get these guys in favorable matchups and get them the ball on the outside to win battles, too?
0: Yeah. And much like we saw in that Tampa Bay game, if they do, when they do decide to man up against these guys, you have to worry about CeeDee Lamb and CeeDee Lamb and typically in favorable matchups as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he should have favorable matchups here. Now, we've talked about the matchup with this San Francisco team. San Francisco, it seems like their one weakness is outside receivers. Outside receivers can kind of get going against them, but that's not also CeeDee Lamb's game. So, how do you like him? You know, Chavarius Lord is going to try and bully him. He's going to try and hit him at the line of scrimmage when he is outside. Is CeeDee Lamb big enough to kind of you know match that and win some battles? Because they do have to be consistent a little bit on the outside. And I do think that they have to go at these San Francisco corners to win this game and move the ball effectively because it seems like that's the only way to consistently do it against San Francisco.
0: Yeah. uh, I kind of like San Francisco in that matchup. I kind of do.
1: Yeah. Ward's been mostly pretty good this season. So, I mean it's a really tough ask. I do think that's the one weakness for this team, but I don't know if Dallas has has the horses to be able to do it.
0: Right. I think they'll get it done at times. I think that they'll be able to make these plays work at times. I just don't think it'll be anywhere near as consistent as, uh, you know, it was last week. Listen, Tampa Bay, they do so many different coverages throughout the year. San Francisco does a lot of this cover three, cover four stuff. They're really good at it. It's when when you do something consistently for an entire season, you get very good at knowing how to beat it, what to do. Like I trust Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner uh, to be able to consistently cover those crossing routes over the middle. I do. Now, I think Dallas will still be able to find ways to get their points. I think they'll find ways to still get stuff open. I just think it'll be a much more, again, it's a consistency thing. I think it'll be a much more even battle this time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, this could be, this could be an interesting Michael Gallup game, I think, too, along with those lines, too, because if they're going to need a big receiver to get possessions on the outside, if you look at Gallup last game, He had five catches, 46 yards, and a touchdown, which isn't, like, amazing or anything like that. But it was on six targets, and basically every target he was an automatic first down. Um, And I think they're going to kind of need that consistent pressure on the outside because that's what's going to open up stuff for CeeDee Lamb over the middle, Dalton Schultz over the middle, Jake Ferguson, those sort of things. They need a guy who at least has San Francisco's attention, it feels like.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another thing I'm – you know. I'm I'm curious about it's something that you always have to talk about with San Francisco is how are you going to protect uh, in this one? How are you going to put yourself in position to where you're not giving up too much pressure? You're not giving up too much, uh, you know, not letting Nick Bosa take this game over. Um, you know, uh, I think that uh, you know, we saw Jason Peters go down uh, in this last game, so, which meant uh, you know we saw uh, you, know, you have Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith at the tackle position. Should be okay, I, I think, but it just it's you know, uh it's it's just interesting.
1: Yeah. This defensive line for San Francisco is awesome, right? right? I mean, I think we can all agree with that. And I think that what Dallas has done to revamp kind of this offensive line, which kind of got old there, um, is also very good. So I do think this is kind of a matchup to strengths because you know, I have total faith in Zach Martin and Tyron Smith as good football players on that right side of the line. But like I also wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco just wins the matchup, anyways. You know, right. because mm-hmm. I do think that's an you know, that San Francisco defensive line is so good. Peters, you know, I think Peters is still a solid left tackle. And if he's healthy and ready to go, I feel okay about it. But this is just a different animal they're going against. So I do think it's a tough matchup to ask and to a tough matchup to project pro- project because they have to find a way to keep the pressure off Dak Prescott. And, you know, when Dak Prescott has a clean pocket, he's going to make a good throw. Can they do it enough? And I think a lot of that's going to come down to this running game.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It should be interesting. Also, do you know Tyron Smith's only 32? I would have guessed uh, he was like 37.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mm-hmm. mean, it's still pr- it's still probably average age to the oldest one because what? Jason Peters is 40? <laughs> right. Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh-huh. Oldest tackle dude. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be interesting again because we talked about, you know, can Dallas... Dallas still, in essence, is kind of a run-first football team, right? Mm -hmm. They do like to put the ball on the ground, use their play action, use their motion to get guys open more than anything. And I think that just worked against Tampa because they were accounting for that run. And the question beforehand was, can he run on Tampa? And while, you know, you watch those Ezekiel Elliott touches and you're like, why is this guy still getting carries? Mm Mm-hmm. There there kind of feels like a method to the madness when you see Ezekiel Elliott just plugging away up the middle and then all of a sudden, you know, Pollard comes in and all of a sudden it's off tackle for 12 yards. And you're like, is there a method to this where these Elliott touches have a purpose to catch people's attention so that Pollard can, you know, if they're wearing these guys down in the middle, Pollard has open space on the outside.
0: Yeah, uh, it's interesting. San Francisco defends the run very well, but you're right—more about setting stuff up. Should be, should be, uh, very fascinating on that side of the ball. And on the other side of the ball, it's once again great versus great. Kyle, I mean, yeah. you have, you know, again, the Brock Purdy thing is interesting, but like, you know, everything else. Uh, you know, everyone's giving Kyle Shanahan credit, and you know, listen, uh, I'll give Kyle Shanahan credit too. That's fun, but also you have to give credit to just, you know, this is Pro Football Focus's number one ranked receiving core. I mean, they have a thousand different weapons that they can work with uh here uh they you know pass block very well uh this is a team that is loaded offensively and as long as Purdy just does his job they've been able to be great against everyone obviously Dallas bit of a different animal um you know let's start with the the pass rush situation i actually think San Francisco should be okay here because yeah. typically when you have really good uh offensive lineman versus really good defensive lineman that typically favors the
1: offensive line. Uh, Yeah, I think I'd agree. And I mean, they're, they're going to do, I expect them to do a lot of different things with um, Micah Parsons in this game, right? Like they're not just going to run him right at Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey and just say, okay, go win, go try and win. You know, I think they're going to stun him. I think they're going to put him in the middle of the field, have him blitz up the middle. I don't think it's going to be a conventional defensive end against left tackle matchup. So, how, how are they going to, you know, scheme Parsons some favorable matchups on the line of scrimmage? I think it's going to be a big thing in this game because, I mean, we saw it in that Tampa Bay game. He was kind of a wrecker of that offensive line. There's not a lot of weakness to the San Francisco offensive line, similar to, you know, you, you could kind of, you know, the, the weird thing about that game is like you had that Tampa offensive line, which, you know, the left tackle obviously was a problem all season. The mm-hmm. left guard was a problem all season. You had a center who was playing five months off of a torn ACL, which right. seems impossible. Like mm-hmm. that's a different that's a different situation than San Francisco's offensive line, which is, I mean, great.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that I, I wouldn't put Parsons on Williams one on one the entire game. Like I, as yeah. much as I like Micah Parsons, like Trent Williams, I, I'm t- totally in the camp of you put your worst defensive lineman on Trent Williams all game. You just you accept that that's a loss every play because putting a good defensive lineman on him so you can win one or two reps throughout the course of the season is just not worth it, Uh, I think. Um, I think I'd be interested in seeing if uh uh, Mike McGlinsky uh you know if if they put Parsons on him and how well that would go.
1: Uh yeah yeah I think that'd be probably the more favorable matchup or um, the.
0: I'm sorry, my dog's barking.
1: (laughs) There's Uh, a dog. (laughs) Uh, It's all good, but yeah. So I mean, I I just I it's going to be fascinating to see the one on one there because you know could they put Lawrence on McGlinchey and try and see if Lawrence can get some matchups and then move Parsons around the field, knowing that, you know, Williams is probably going to have a cakewalk if nobody's on the, uh, you know, on the matchup there. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup Cause I mean, we, we haven't really seen anybody stop San Francisco consistently this season, right? Like there's been a few bad games and a lot of them, like the bears game was a monsoon. Um, mm-hmm. Like the Bronco or the Broncos game, like Trent Williams was playing basically on one leg um and that was a bad we, Jimmy Garoppolo game too yes it was and mm-hmm. I mean even since this party thing we haven't really seen anybody you know match up with him I mean the one game you could kind of point to is like the New Orleans game but a lot of that New Orleans game was that just kind of it felt like San Francisco was coasting they threw the ball well in that game and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get hit there wasn't uh-huh. anything really that New Orleans did to stop them it just didn't seem like you know they stopped the run and that was a big part of it but I don't know if I don't know if Dallas is built to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing too is, uh, you know, uh, I think the, the question as well, the concern for Dallas, the biggest concern for Dallas probably is, okay, Dallas likes to mix up a lot of their coverages. They do not do, Dan Quinn has completely done a 180 from what he used to be in Seattle. And you got to give him a lot of credit for, uh, you know, g- growing where, you know, he used to be the cover three zone, cover three zone, cover three zone. Now they do everything. There's constantly things that they're doing. Uh, but, feels like this is going to be a cover three zone game right they still love their cover three zone uh and that's kind of the best coverage to defend this san francisco rushing attack the issue is that that's where kyle shanahan thrives and scheming stuff open and i you i mean you can just envision george Kittle getting one of those you know plays where he's over the middle with no one 20 yards
1: near him yeah um you know i think curse is going to be a big part of this game right like Mm because if they're going to run that all the
0: safeties yeah yeah
1: i mean because I imagine Hooker, you know, Hooker's going to play that deep safety role a lot, which is, you know, it's going to be important. But at the same time, Purdy's not stretching the ball down the field a whole lot. So mm-hmm. I just think but that's the the, part- But I, I would say, so so say, though, that matters a lot, though, in terms
0: of the, you know, those crossing routes over the middle. I mean, uh, a good example, when I made my video, which is not out yet, but, uh, you know, against Washington, that deep safety kept screwing up his assignment. Like San Francisco will get anybody on the field to get out of position.
1: Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, so we saw curse play an awesome game. I thought against Tampa Bay, I thought he Mm -hmm. was, you know, effective. I thought he broke up a lot of that stuff, that short passing stuff Tampa wanted to do because that was basically all Tampa did this season. And, you know, if Kittle, if these crossing routes are going to be, you know, they're going to be a part of the game plan. I'm not today. If they're part of the game plan, they're going to be part of the game plan, trying to get these guys open over the middle of the field. Curse kind of has to play like a bit of a wrecking ball. I feel like, because like, I thought Vander Esch played probably his best game of the season against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I'm not trusting him consistently against, you know, these receivers and tight ends of San Francisco. I do think that's a bad matchup coverage wise. If you're going to ask Vander Esch to cover all that ground.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's very interesting. I do think that the one thing that Dallas has and okay, a good job of is their safeties have been very good. And I think that's yeah. kind of the one thing is that you're right. Like, yes, curse is going to have to have a big day, curse is capable of having a big day and that's maybe the way that you can win this one.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I love watching hooker. He's been really fun. He's been really fun to watch this season. And I think that the, you know, these Cowboys corners, I think have hold up, held up, you know, I dig still has the propensity to get burnt, but yeah. uh, You know, it's going to be, we saw how you could get him badly in the playoff game last year. Yeah. I was going to say, he's going to have, have to have one of his most disciplined games. I think this season, um, Mm -hmm. But, and he's been much more disciplined this year, I would say as well. Yeah, I, I think they're capable of having a big day in the secondary. But I do think like it feels like they're going to have to find a way to fi- make San Francisco one dimensional. But I think San Francisco's fine playing any dimension you want them to play. Like if you if you try and tie Kyle Shanahan's hands behind his back play calling, he's going to find a way out of it.
0: Yeah. One interesting thing as well, Kyle, is, you know, I think if you're a Dallas fan, you're saying, hey. Micah Parsons coming to town. We're going to start to get some consistent pressure on Brock Purdy. He hasn't had to deal with that too much. He hasn't had to deal with a, a Micah Parsons. That's what you're talking yourself into. Uh, Brock Purdy, when he's kept clean this season, passer rating of 115.8. That's best in football. When he's pressured, passer rating of 97.1. That's best in football.
1: Uh, who is this Brock Purdy guy? Uh... He is electric right now. I mean, uh-huh. he's played some very good football. We started to see, we saw a little bit of a sign of weakness, I would say, in that first, that game last, um, yep. the wildcard mm-hmm. run. There's some mistakes there. Um, and I don't think he can, he can't make those same mistakes in this game because the, this Dallas team, I think the last, in this Dan Quinn era, has shown that they can capitalize on mistakes. They can take the ball away. They can create turnovers. I don't think he can get away with those same mistakes, but... You know, if we go through this, you know, this Brock Payne Purdy sample size this season, if one half is basically our one calling card to, eh, I don't know about this guy, you know, it, he had one bad half in, what, seven games this season? That's that's pretty good for what our expectations were.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing for what our expectations were. Uh, the the one concern I would have, though, is I feel like every game he's had one or two bad throws, and it does feel like that's probably Dallas's pathway to victory is you, you win the turnover battle. Uh, which I, you know, I would predict Dallas wins the turnover battle in this one.
1: But they they've also turned the ball over this season. They've had no problem yeah. doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, part of this thing is the uh, Dak Prescott has to be awesome again. Like it's just that simple. He has to play like a tier one quarterback, which was kind of their recipe for a Super Bowl success this season. Anyway, was that Prescott plays at the level of a Stafford last year? Can he do it against his defense? Can he play mistake free football? It's going to be a tall task. I mean, if he does it again this week, it's going to be very impressive and it's going to be something we have to talk about.
0: Yeah. So, interesting stuff. Let's pick the game. Uh, I'll go first. I have this as a 21 20 49ers mm-hmm. victory. Uh, yeah. I think this is going to be a good game. I think that this could could go either way. I am picking the 49ers to win. I'm only putting one point on it, obviously, if I only think it's going to be a one point game. Uh, this feels like a ch- I think this is the real game of the week, actually.
1: I think this is going to be the best game of the week, too. Um, I need to make up some ground on you. Give me one point. Cowboys 35-32. to okay. 32. Let's make it happen. I mean, I could see either team winning this football game. I was so impressed with what we saw from Dallas last week. Now, the problem is, is, like I said, they haven't done it consistently enough, but let's see the best version of this Cowboys team out in San Francisco. That's going to be a fun game. Yeah, and, and Kyle, I know you're not a big
0: uniform matchup guy, but this is uh, best uniform matchup in sports.
1: Yeah, I mean, so what is it going to be? The Cowboys blue against San Francisco white? Or uh-huh. Is it red? Well, I would assume if it's in San Francisco,
0: I'd assume it'd be the San Francisco red and then the Cowboys white.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. I had it backwards. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. gonna be that's a good one. That is a good yeah. one. Um, is that your number one? Is that your number one uniform matchup? Hall of Fame suit uniforms? I think it's gotta be right. Uh, I think especially like when you t-
0: factor into history between those two teams too.
1: Yeah. I a Packers-49ers game always has fun uniforms. I will that, say that. That's a good one.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good one. I think that uh I, I don't know why but the Patriots Eagles worked for me.
1: Yeah, that's true. I like the old Patriots uniforms. I don't like the newer ones as much. Mm-hmm. What about the Jaguars when they had the black and gold helmet? What did that do for you?
0: Well, that was number 1. That one was the the but that one and the <laughs> Buccaneers alarm clock. That that's the real number 1. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> i saw a picture of uh the buccaneers alarm clock numbers I'm like what, what were we doing there what what happened there
1: yeah there is some there's been some questionable uniform uh calls i think over the last 10 years yeah uh no no questionable uniforms
0: there let's move on two games left to talk about interesting stuff in both of these games i do have to say i think either team could pull off the upset um well why don't we go why don't we go Giants Eagles? Why not? Uh it's the NFC East match, NFC Beast here. Somehow three out of the four NFC East teams make it to the divisional round, and yeah. at least one will make it to the conference championship. Uh, you know, 50-50 shot of uh the conference championship being both NFC East. Uh very fascinating stuff. Kyle, do the Giants stand a chance? Do the future Super Bowl champion, New York Giants, stand a chance in this one?
1: Uh sure. I think they stand a chance. I mean, we, we saw last week where it's going to require a Herculean effort again, I think. I think a big part of this is going to be the defense. I think the defense versus Philadelphia's offense is the fascinating matchup for me. The Philadelphia offense, you know, not 100% on the offensive line. We'll see if Lane Johnson's able to go. He's listed as questionable currently. But, like, what we saw, there's two things Giants love to do. Uh, we know who Wake Martindale is, right? You know, he loves to, he loves to send the house. He loves to, you know, get these defensive linemen at these guys. I think the Giants, if they can create pressure, if they can get to Jalen Hurts, I think that's going to be a huge thing. And then along with that, can these guys coverage cover one on one? I thought they did a very good job against Minnesota covering their receivers, which is not an easy task. I thought they did a pretty really good job against Jefferson specifically. Can they do that in this game again? That's what's gonna. That's what it's gonna take. I don't know if they're gonna get it two weeks in a row though. Yeah. Uh, Joe, our
0: resident uh, Giants fan in the chat, uh, super chat. We appreciate that, Joe, saying we're going to lose, but by one score. Uh, so Joe, very optimistic.
1: Um, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, lose by one score, that would be a huge success. Um, uh-huh. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, do you see this Giants team being able to slow down Philadelphia's offense?
0: The thing about the Giants is like. Every single metric I trust about what makes a team good, the Giants are bad at. Every single one. The Giants have not succeeded in any of these metrics whatsoever, except for the win column. So I don't know what to make of this Giants team. The Giants are weird, and I typically would just say this is an exception to the rule. Football is a fluky sport. If you can cut down on the mistakes, if you can just play smart football, if you're a well-coached team, you can find ways to win on the edges, and you can beat uh, mediocre teams, but it's going to be hard to beat a great team like that. That's how I typically view this stuff. I think that's how I view it here. Um, one notable thing is that, uh, you know, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is someone who, when he's blitzed, his numbers go down. Uh, he's not one of these guys where second best passer rating in football when he is not blitzed, but he's 22nd when he is blitzed. The issue is. Is that then you have to put man coverage on AJ Brown? And AJ Brown's one of the best receivers in football in against man coverage. Uh so that's the the, the factor is he's just someone who he wins one on one. So then do you double AJ Brown, leaving Devonta Smith one on one? Well, Smith had a big day the last time they played. He obviously had that fourth down, long touchdown play. So I I don't love that. I just I think you know, Giants love the blitz, right? They're a big blitzing team, they blitz almost as much as anybody in football. Um, the question I have is who is going to cover AJ Brown? Who is going to cover Devonta Smith? They were not successful at it last time at all, and I don't know what's going to happen there. So that's I just I I don't see how that, how the Giants are able to hold the Philadelphia Eagles to like you know it feels like the Eagles are going to have a good offensive day.
1: It feels like it definitely because I do think one of the things we could take away from that Giants game like they they. They blitzed. They got They got after them, and they. I thought they still did a very good job against Jefferson, which was impressive. the The other guys had pretty good days. T.J. Hawkinson was awesome in that game. Adam Thielen had a big couple big plays, and that was a big part of the Vikings' offense. Now they didn't convert and finish drives all that much, and the Giants were able to move the ball on the other side because that Minnesota defense is ass. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, I think that was a huge part of it. Was like you look at this Philadelphia team and. I think part of the reason, while it still goes down a little bit, I think Jalen Hurts has been better against the Blitz this season. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with Devontae Smith got better this season. A.J. Brown's on the team. Dallas Goddard's gotten better. It's all helped the Philadelphia offense kind of work, this A.J. Brown trade, which was kind of the biggest trade of the offseason.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they're the the one seed, and they're not the one seed without A.J. Brown. I mean, he's completely changed his team. Uh, And and the flip side, too, is... uh, I don't know if I trust this Giants team to stop the run very well in this one. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles like to run the ball. So uh, I don't think they'll be able to stop the pass or the run. It feels like, I don't know, maybe the best hope for the Giants right now, I think going into this game uh, uh, defensively, is to hope Jalen Hurts is hurt. Hope that Jalen Hurts isn't Jalen Hurts.
1: Yeah. If he's not 100%, obviously that's still a problem. But, I mean, it wasn't his best game, but I thought he was fine in that, you know, that week 18 game, there wasn't a whole lot to take away from that. Giants didn't play, guys. I don't think the Eagles cared that much. They went up by 10 and basically said, or 16, and basically said, we got the one seed, we're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, They just wanted the reps. And yeah, I mean, I think it it comes down to, you know, neither one of these are really awesome run defenses. You know, I think EPA per play has uh, Philadelphia 23rd against the run and New York Giants are 30th. Both of these teams like to run the ball and use their quarterbacks in the running game. Can they find success? I don't know if that's going to happen. I just think this read option is really tough to beat. And this Giants team is about rushing the passer. They're going to be able to read option around this. I feel like all the time.
0: Yeah, I do have to say though, that's maybe the one thing I'm looking at for this. Again, Eagles offensive line, very good. Not easy to get pressure on, but I mean, uh, you know, um, we, we've we seen uh, Lawrence and, uh, and Thibodeau get, generate pressure. Throughout the course of the season. Uh, that's maybe the one thing that you look at for this Giants defense and say, well, there's a way, you know, could Thibodeau maybe get a key strip sack fumble in this situation and you you get the fumble recovery. That might be a you know, like we saw against Washington, that might be a way you can flip
1: this game. Yeah. Um, it's it's gonna have to be. They're gonna have to figure something. I think this is gonna be a big clock, you know, time of possession game. If they can, you mm-hmm. know, stop this Eagle, if they can slow down this Eagles running game enough in you know kind of control the tempo control the clock and you know they're going to be able to run the ball on philadelphia we think is that that's probably the pathway to the giants victory i just think it's going to be very difficult for them to find stops in this one
0: yeah let's talk about the giants running the ball because i don't think they're going to be as good at at running the ball i mean you look at the last time they played uh, you know the the eagles are weird because their overall epa rush metrics are terrible but like you know, like if PFF has them ranked as the 14th rated run defense, I feel like, and and that's when I watch the tape, I feel like it's like, this doesn't look like a bad run defense to me. The numbers are the numbers. You can't deny that they haven't performed well, but I feel like I think they're a little better than that would suggest. And I also think that, you know, you look at the last time they played, Saquon Barkley had nine carries for 28 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, When I'm saying last time they played, I'm referring to the uh, week 15 matchup, not the uh, week 18, because that was, you know, Week 18 was basically a preseason game, but, uh, you know, the last time they played with both teams trying to win, uh, they did not run the ball effectively. I think that, uh, you know, the Evan Neal trying to block, uh, you know, whichever uh, Hassan Reddick uh, or, you know, uh, Brandon Graham, whoever it ends up being, that concerns me. That concerns me a lot. Uh, the, just in general, I think that there's a massive advantage with this Philadelphia defensive line and this improved, but still not spectacular, uh, Giants offensive line
1: yeah and Josh Wett, I guess is healthy so that's a huge thing too um yeah I mean this is gonna be a fascinating matchup on that spot because I mean the Giants th- they did a good job of limiting Barkley in that one but like New York still kind of ended up with five yards to carry and it was a well, pretty balanced Rod Taylor approach.
0: had two carries
1: for 20 20- 40 yards I mean that helps. yeah that's fair yeah mm-hmm. fair enough I mean it-, it was a little bit of a weird game because it was a little more balanced approach for New York too um, and probably a lot of that was playing down most of that game, which is probably why, you know, they can't fall behind big in this one, right? Because that's just, that's where Philadelphia wants to be. As soon as they're ahead, they're going to suck the life out of the game with a running game. And then you have to throw on the secondary, which might be the best in the league. It's, just not a, it's not a recipe for success. You know, that's part of the big thing where the Eagles got off to that crazy start. They were so good in the first half of the game, specifically the second quarter. The second you fall behind this team, you're done. Because they're yeah. going to run the ball, they're impossible to stop in this running game, and the secondary is too good to throw on.
0: Yeah, it's like a like a what was it, a python, right? It's like you can't yeah. you can't let them get a tight tight grip, or it's going to be over. But I don't want to just completely again count the Giants totally out of it. Daniel Jones played very good last week, and I think that that's maybe the key for Daniel Jones is a you know he won't have quite the rushing uh, attempts that, uh, abilities that he did last week, but there will be some. The Eagles like to play a lot of two safety deep coverages. So, and, you know, that's probably part of why the stats aren't as good stopping to run. Uh, But maybe they will bring a safety in and you can throw over the top. Isaiah Hodgins Hodgins has played very well as of late. Uh, Darius Slay is a a contributor. Uh, There are ways that they can win it. I think Daniel Jones is going to have to go off for them to do it.
1: Uh, It definitely feels that way. And he was, I mean, you could argue since that game, he's played his best football right? Like basically to end the season after that Philadelphia game, make sure I'm doing this right. Yes. After that Philadelphia game, he had a 70% completion percentage, 671 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception, two rushing touchdowns in that span over those last three games. And then he was very good against uh, Minnesota too in the playoff game, obviously. Um, So you could argue that Jones has played his best football since that Philadelphia game, but Part of that too, I think, is the defenses he's played have been Minnesota twice, Indianapolis, and Washington, which is a solid defense, but not a spectacular defense. I think so. Can he do it in this game against a defense that is going to be healthy now, motivated, and ready to kind of go at him? Hey, big game Jones. Is that what it is? is yeah, what we're calling him now. Yeah, I think that's. A, oh, I, I
0: don't know. let big big game Daniel just doesn't work. That's just that's just not 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 good.
1: No, no, mm-hmm. it is not. But yeah, I mean, the, you you hit it on the head with this one. That, the big problem is that they were able to kind of disguise Evan Neal a little bit in the, the last game. And part of that was Minnesota's secondary was so bad guys were open. Like, Hassan Reddick should have a field day in this one. Whoever they want to match up on Evan Neal, or on that right side of the offensive line, should be able to get after Jones and make him move and make things, you know, difficult.
0: Yeah, and listen, I, I like Evan Neal as a prospect. I, I I don't deny that he can have an Andrew Thomas type uh you know trajectory, but uh he's just not there right now, right yet.
1: No, this is a very tough spot for him to be in. Yeah. So we're picking the picking the games now.
0: Kyle, I'm going all in on this Eagles team. I've been high on this Eagles team. It's really not a negative Giants take that much. Like I think the Giants listen, I was wrong about the Giants. The Giants have by far and away for sure past my expectations. They could keep doing it. Uh who knows? I'm picking the Eagles to win 29 to 18. I'm putting 11 points on the Eagles to win. I'm if 11. if I lose the if I lose this season because the Giants and Daniel Jones upset the Eagles, I,
1: I can live with that. Yeah, um, that's probably fair. That's where I'm at too. I got seven points on the Eagles and I got 28-20. Okay. Oh, 28 20. Okay, so 28 20. But you're giving them a, you're saying one score. Yeah, why not? You know, this Giants team has had some magic to it. Let's let's see if they can, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they keep it interesting, but I still have the Eagles covering too. So I I got 28-20. I do think the Eagles get out to a big lead, kind of slow the game down. I think the Giants could make it interesting, but I just don't think there's going to be enough to come back on this secondary.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe in the chat says I can live with that too. I guess Joe, hoping that I uh, this takes my season. Uh, although it wouldn't be as bad because you put seven points on the Eagles as well. But uh, but yeah, I mean this is a you know the one thing I have to say, Kyle. This is so irrational, but it just it does worry me. Is the the Giants' history of knocking off one seeds? Uh, is just <laughs> you know as a complete underdog
1: it's just it's too, it's too much to ignore. It shouldn't matter, but it does. You know, uh-huh. no, nobody on this team is from that, you know, those Giants teams. But it does right. matter because it is the Giants. We, we've seen this before.
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, you could argue the same thing with the last matchup. The Jaguars uh, have a history of knocking off one seeds as well or pulling off upsets in the divisional round as well. You know, going to have to be quite the upset going up against Kansas City. Uh, To me, it feels like uh, I, I'm not sure which side you want to start with it. Let, let's start with the the Chiefs going up against the uh, Jaguars. The Chiefs offense going up against the Jaguars defense. Chiefs offensively, uh, you know, played very well last time these two teams played. Patrick Mahomes really had a great day in this one. Uh, you know, I expect Mahomes to have another good day. I think smart money is on uh, Kansas City having a good offensive day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This Jaguars defense is better than it was has been in the past, which wasn't hard because this wasn't a good defense. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, the big thing with this Jaguars team is that, you know, we've seen them go up against now Tennessee in week 18. And um, who do they play? Oh, Los Angeles. And have a lot of success against the run. This is a pretty good run defense. Um, the secondary is solid. I like some of those guys on the outside. But this is a tall task to go against Patrick Mahomes on the road and try and shut down this passing game for Kansas city. That does feel like a matchup problem to me.
0: Yeah. A lot of what they, so it's interesting. So last time they mostly played zone cut, they played in week 10. Uh, So, you know, Jaguars, I think very different team than, than they are now, but uh, you know, Jacksonville played a lot of zone in that matchup. And, Kansas City had no real issue. You had, you had some clever Andy Reid designs in that one, getting guys open, but you expect more clever Andy Reid designs, uh, especially coming off coming off a of bye week, right? Typically does not lose in these situations. Um, I, I'm interested in seeing uh, what Jacksonville does to kind of counter it. I think they'll probably try to play a lot more man. It worked a little better last time, but not much. I mean, you still have to deal with Mahomes scrambling. You, uh, you have to deal with, uh, obviously, you have to find a way to tr- cover Travis Kelsey in that spot. So, uh, you know, it's just, they're a tough team to play against. I mean, this, this Kansas city offense is obviously awesome.
1: Yeah. And the big thing is that they have found ways to beat zone defense that that was the biggest problem is, you know, the mm-hmm. deep coverage zones the last year teams were daring them to throw the ball short. Kansas city is now cool throwing the ball short. And a lot of that is the receiver makeup that they've added to this team. And, you know, You can question, obviously, the Tyreek Hill trade, which, you know, it sounded like the contract situation he wanted to contract. Kansas City, obviously, with some of the contracts they have on the books, couldn't do it. But that being said, you know, I think there was questions heading into the season about this Kansas City receiving core. I think they've mostly been answered, and I think we feel pretty good about this Kansas City offense and their ability to use these receivers effectively. And while it's not, I would say, you know, you probably wouldn't rank this as a top 15 receiving cores. They can perform like it because of the way they have this uh, zone set up and the way they can attack it.
0: Well, you know who does rank them as a top 15 receiving core is our favorite website, Pro Football Focus. Uh, They have them as a third-ranked receiving core this season. Now, again, I'm assuming a lot of that has to do with uh, Travis Kelsey and how much he brings to the table. Uh, But, you know, again, you have guys who have come through and just been solid role players for them. Juju Smith-Schuster, McCall Hardman, Sky Moore, and uh, Marquez Vada-Scantling have all done some nice things for this team. Even Kadarius Toney. Uh, Kadarius yeah. Tony had a, had a big day the last time these two teams played. So obviously it helps when you have Andy Reid scheming them open and Mahomes throwing to them
1: yeah so that's that's a big that i was more talking about like if you rank personnel you're probably not looking at this personnel and saying oh top 15 receivers Mm -hmm. uh but they performed like it like you said they performed like a top three level Kadarius tony is the most interesting player in this game to me uh most interesting player in the world (laughs) he might be (laughs) Uh so he had four catches and 57 yards and a touchdown in the game against jacksonville on five targets um this just feels like the guy that's going to cause problems for Jacksonville's defense. I do think there's some defenses that, if you could play him a little more physical, can give him some issues. But it just feels like, man, this guy can kind of get rolling against this team, right? And there's two guys on the same Kansas City offense, like, beyond Kelsey. Kelsey's awesome. You think Kelsey's going to get his numbers. I think the big thing against this uh, and the two guys that also gave him trouble— in that game, where Kansas City, another team that kind of walked the ball down the field against this Jacksonville defense, I think there's two guys that are really going to give him issues and gave him a ton of issues in that game. That's Kadarius Tony who had 80, I'm doing quick math here, looked like 90 total yards of offense in that game and a touchdown. And Jarek McKinnon, his speed out of the backfield catching the ball, that feels like a matchup nightmare for Jacksonville.
0: Yeah. Um, Definitely, uh, you know, one other interesting factor in the, all of this, I know it's because you know, every podcast they have to bring up Trayvon Walker, but uh, I do think it's worth mentioning in this one that with, just schematically Jacksonville has, I felt, like done a lot of stunts with Trayvon Walker because that's kind of what he was able to do in college effectively was kind of run these sort of non traditional ways to get to the uh, the quarterback. Uh, I think if they do, you know, they they tried that in this game a few times and every single time Mahomes just immediately went to the outside and had uh, the containment was given up. So it's like you kind of can't do that in this game, I don't think.
1: No, you have to. I mean, it's Mahomes. So it's like, what do you do exactly? Right. It really seems like they used Trayvon Walker as a guy to move the line of scrimmage back. Like they basically Mm -hmm. just say, run into these guys as hard as you can, push this line of scrimmage back and make life difficult and make life easier for Josh Allen and these other guys to win their battles because the line of scrimmage is caved in. Um, It really seems like that's Trayvon Walker's whole deployment. Is that worth a number one pick? I don't know. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. uh, That's the big thing. But, you know, if you, you know, Patrick Mahomes is incredibly difficult to sack. He's one of the best players off script. He's one of the best players in the world at buying time in the pocket or scrambling or doing these different things, chasing around, he gets these defensive linemen exhausted. If you were to pick a couple of players that like, like Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are kind of the athletes you want to be able to track down Mahomes and give him some trouble. They just didn't do it in the last game at all.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, one thing I have to say is uh, Walker actually had an okay game uh, the last time these two teams played. This was one of his better games, uh, you know, one uh, day played. So that's maybe the hope is that he could come through here. You're right, like that. That feels like it's a good matchup. It is funny, Trayvon Walker. Literally, basically every pass rush snap is just him uh, trying to bull rush, and every right. now and then it works because he can pull it off because the guy's not strong enough to keep up with him. Uh, and then it, you know, usually doesn't. And that's just all, That's just what he does every time. It, it's very fun.
1: Yeah, and you know, part of the thing too with that Hill trade is that they were able to kind of revamp this offensive line. Where, you know, this is a very good offensive line for Kansas City. There's not a lot of guys on this group that you look at, and he's just going to be able to run through. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I expect Kansas City to score a lot in this one, but can Jacksonville keep up with them? Might be the. Way. I mean, I guess the one thing I'll last thing I have to say about the Chiefs' offense, you know. We've seen Mahomes have some bad days before. Uh, we've seen Mahomes have bad days in the playoffs before. I mean, I would argue both of his Super Bowls, he had subpar days, uh, and then the uh, conference championship against Cincinnati. Listen, you know, if you're a quarterback in the NFL playing in a lot of big games, you're going to eventually have some bad ones. That's just the nature of the sport. But if maybe you could get a one of those Mahomes two turnover days type thing happening, that might be the one key to success.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've talked a lot about turnover luck when it comes to these underdogs and it is going to be a big thing, but Mm -hmm. it just it's just hard to imagine a lot of mistakes against this Jaguars defense, right? Like there are I do think if it turns into Kansas City Cincinnati in the AFC championship game, that's a defense that I think could force him into some mistakes. I don't know if this Jaguars defense is the kind of defense that's going to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know, if, I don't know if so either, but again, they, they got some players who can do some things, so it's yes, I, I think, I think that if he does make the mistakes, I think they can capitalize. I'll say that,
1: yeah. I mean, they got some nice players. I like you know, Ola Kun, I like um, Devin Lloyd in the linebacker spot, even though a rookie against Mahomes seems like a, a tough matchup. I like Campbell and Cisco in the secondary, I like Jenkins in the secondary. They're gonna have to come up with some big plays,
0: yeah. Uh, It should be interesting to see what they do there. Flip side, again, can the Jaguars keep up? Now, one thing I think Jacksonville should do, and I think they will do, they didn't do this as much last time. Uh, I think they're going to run the ball and stick with the running game. Now, again, game kind of got out of hand last time, so they felt like they had to abandon it. I think limiting possessions is crucial here. And, you know, Kansas City... Likes to play, they've been playing their cover uh, two before it was cool, right? They do it a little bit differently than the average team. They like to do a lot of cover two man with a lot of blitzes thrown in. But uh, still, they like to have those two safety deeps, uh, two safeties deep a decent amount. This could be a Travis Etienne day. Now, he didn't have a crazy stat line last time, uh, you know, 4.1 yards per carry on 11 carries. But still, feels like run the ball, let Travis Etienne do a lot of the work, throw a lot of screen passes, uh, and, you know, You know when you, you know, and snap the ball with five seconds left every time.
1: Yeah. You're going to have to find a way to control the tempo of this game and control the clock. And that's probably going to involve running the game, running the ball a lot. But I just, yeah, it's going to be interesting because this Kansas City defensive, this Kansas City defense is objectively not awesome at times this year, right? Like it's not, it's not a great defense. It's an okay defense. And I think they, they find ways to, you know, hide the guys who are not very good. But I think, you know, when you're talking about running screen passes, I mean, Chris Jones and Carlos Dunlap are very good at reading that stuff. They're very good mm-hmm. at breaking up screen passes, and I think that's a huge part of why their defense can find some success. I think they're going to have to win against the secondary, because I do think that's still the weakest part of this Kansas City team is their secondary in these outside corners. Like, can, the, can these Jacksonville receivers who were good in the second half against that Chargers, they were bad in the first half, they're good in the second half against the Chargers secondary. Can they win against Trent McDuffie and uh, LeJaria Snead?
0: Yeah, we'll have to be like a Marvin Jones day uh, where, you know, he had a catch for 33 yards the last time they played. Uh, you know, he's kind of their, probably their best outside receiver. I would think Christian Kirk, uh, a lot of good stuff. I don't know if I love him in go routes on the outside. And that's kind of, you know, why a lot of people didn't love that contract was because he's sort of a, you know, He's you know, kind of a bit of limited in that sense, but he's so good at the other stuff that, you know, he's lived up to the contract so far. Um, But like, uh, you know, that, so would this would have to be a Marvin Jones game or maybe even Zay Jones.
1: Yeah, Zay Jones had a very good game against Los Angeles, especially the second half. He's very good at getting in the outside. I mean, even a guy like, you know, they move, Evan Ingram's a receiver, you know? They, yeah. they move Evan Ingram outside as a receiver and he's got the kind of size and body that could, I think, you know, especially like, I think he could go at a guy like Trent McDuffie and give him some problems, right? Like, I think that's kind of the, the roadmap is they have to be able to have some guys beat these Kansas city corners. And I do think they have a couple guys, even if they're not a tier one player.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think so as well. Also, what's interesting is again, you look at the PFF grades from that game. the when they played, uh, top three, uh, highest grades, Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel, Willie Gay Jr. Three linebackers, linebackers played very well. A lot of what, uh, Doug Peterson likes to do is take advantage of linebackers get linebackers out of position did not work well last time so to have to figure something else out perhaps which, like you said might be a lot of outside routes
1: yeah and I do like these linebackers for Kansas City, too. Anyways, I think that's mm-hmm. a, that's probably, you know, Willie Gay has turned into a pretty good player after that draft pick. I, you know, he's an incredible athlete. Bolton is a key part of this defense. I just think this Kansas City team's too good up the middle. Like, that's the one thing I think this Kansas City defense is solid at is right up the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's something you can get, you kind of just, you know, beat. I think they're beatable on the outside and on the edges.
0: Yeah, and, and that's really where Jacksonville likes to play, isn't up the middle, right? Like that's kind mm-hmm. of their style is they like to keep things in between the numbers, which uh, Kansas City is is better there.
1: Well, they just don't have the skill and talent on the outside. You know, maybe next year with Calvin Ridley, they change some of this up. They're right. able to do more things, but they don't have you know, and like you said, as good as the you know, as Ingram has played to his contract standards, and Kirk has played to his contract standards. They're not guys who are going to go win one on one battles all the time.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh. I completely, completely agree. That being said, I still put up some points in this one. Like I, I, don't, you know. Uh. Spoiler alert. I'm picking Kansas City to win. I'm putting one point on it. That's all I have left. Uh. But you know or wait do I have uh I think I'd map no I'm putting two points on it uh but um you know I'm picking the the Chiefs to win this one my final score is uh 36 to 24 I think it'll be a think it'll be a relatively high possession game that's part of it but also I think that uh you know I think Kansas City is going to have a really easy day to score but I think Jacksonville could do some nice things and at least uh, make it competitive for three quarters
1: yeah I uh I'm putting five points on Kansas City I ironically had twenty-seven seventeen written down as my score, just to realize that that was the score of the last game. Oh, so uh, I'll just stick with it. Let's go, Kansas City 20, 27-17, seventeen. Five points on the game. That's that should be fifteen, right? Like 12, yeah, 12, uh, 14, I, did, I was
0: doing the math right where you were talking. Yeah, we're both yeah. good.
1: All right, so that's that's what I got for that one. I just think it's too much to ask this Jacksonville defense to slow down Kansas City. Yeah,
0: Kyle, you said last on last podcast you think the the Giants have a better chance to upset the eagles then uh the jaguars have a chance to upset the chiefs although now you've you switched it you put more points on the eagles to win what has changed within
1: the past two days uh just looking a little bit more on the matchups i just think i i really just think that if if philadelphia can get into a position they can run the ball and be comfortable with it i just think it's really tough to ask today you know, New York to make that happen. I do think the matchup slightly better for Philadelphia, even though I do still kind of like this matchup for Kansas city too.
0: Yeah. So if we're ranking the uh, likelihood of up an upset happening, are we going, uh, I guess, are, are we both probably going Dallas one? Oh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, we, we, we differ completely disagree on a couple of these. Where would you go? So I would go uh, the, you know, probability of an upset happening. I think I'm going Dallas one, Cincinnati 2, Jacksonville 3 and the Giants 4. Uh what do you think has a higher likelihood of of being upset? Do you think the the Cowboys winning or the Bengals winning has a higher chance of happening?
1: Uh Bengals winning. Uh I do think there's an argument that the Bengals are a better team still. I know the offensive line is not great, but that being said, I do think it's a uh, I do think that there is a uh, that higher higher likelihood of an upset for the Bengals to win that game.
0: I like this comment in the chat, Kyle flip-flopping, sad exclamation point of like, yeah, you know, because of an offhanded comment we said two days ago that now you've taken more time and said, actually, I think i slightly go the other way.
1: Yeah. No one's allowed to change their mind. You know, no, no one ever. Mm-hmm. We have to be, we all have to be Skip Bayless and still say LeBron is in clutch.
0: And still say Tim Tebow is great.
1: Yeah. Tim Tebow just waiting for his chance
0: but <laughs> well, this is the, the uh, second straight podcast where we've made a, a skip Bayless, uh tim tebow and lebron uh reference i mean
1: it's funny listening to the talk i guess i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah sure um yeah uh very excited for for this week uh got you know uh for anyone listening i'm gonna have uh film studies previewing all of the games coming out you know, already, already a couple are out on this channel uh you know gonna be coming out today and tomorrow so be on the lookout for that. Kyle, let me know if you can find us on
1: Twitter before we head out. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That is at Jackson Kruger. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Gronin and make sure to follow the account page. That's at on the sideline JK. That is at on the sideline JK. Yes,
0: of course. If you like to listen to your podcast, the, the audio-only feed is available. It's on the sideline podcast, so anywhere you get your podcast, that should be available. Um, yeah, should be interesting. Oh, one last thing is that podcast on Sunday. Uh, we're moving it up in hours now, eleven Eastern, just because the games end a little earlier. So we're going to try to get it out a little earlier. So it will we'll still be live. Uh just you know an hour earlier. So be on the lookout for
1: that. Um, yeah, Kyle. Uh, that's our show. Yeah. Divisional match round is going to be awesome. Um, You, uh, you know, it should be a, I think there's going to be three, potentially two, potentially two awesome games. Maybe hopefully we get a third awesome game. That's my hope.
0: Yeah. Uh, So if you're team Kyle, you're rooting for uh, a giants upset. uh, That would be, that would be huge for you.
1: Yeah. Cause that'd be a four point swing basically. Right.
0: Well, I guess it's a little bit interesting because, you know, I would get 11 points. You would get seven points if you can. But then, you know, if you missed, if also the Jaguars were to win, then it wouldn't really matter too much. Yeah. So so you want to you want a Chiefs win and a uh, and a Giants win. Right. And,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a Bengals Bengals and uh, Cowboys winning wouldn't hurt me either.
0: Yeah, Uh, it should be interesting. It, It always seems to come down to the the Super Bowl anyways, though.
1: Yeah, that that's always the biggest one. I mm-hmm. would, you know, maybe this year I'll have a chance to actually pick it. That'd be nice.
0: Right. That, that's, that's, the, that's been the issue is I keep picking it and I'm just, I'm amazing at picking it. I'm just so good.
1: Yeah, that's that's your specialty for sure.
0: Apparently, yeah. It's, it's certainly not the divisional round after what happened last last year. Hopefully, I think we'll get one right this week. I think we got at least one right.
1: Yeah, that is, that is definitely the case. I mean, we can't be that bad again, right? I mean, if, <laughs> it, one it, of it, us it, is going to have a better week than the other by default because we had uh-huh. two different game picks.
0: Right. Yeah. So by default, we have at least uh, at least two games correct.
1: Yeah. So um, hopefully it's me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not. Uh, we'll see what happens. But again, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess any final thoughts, Kyle?
1: Uh, no. I think that's just about everything.
0: Kyle, I did it. I have to say, uh, my last thought. Uh, I finally did it. I uh, I did a mock draft. It's I did a Buccaneers mock draft. It's that it's that time of the year.
1: Do you draft a quarterback?
0: Uh no, I drafted but I don't know any of these guys too. I'm just trying to familiarize so I, I drafted a, a I believe a guard.
1: A guard. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You don't love Luke Gadecki or whatever his name is?
0: <laughs> was not great. Uh, you know, Nick Leverett was okay and then he got hurt. So then yeah, I don't know. Uh we're in a tough spot.
1: Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how these next few months go for the draft stuff. Um you know, we'll 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 get to all of that obviously. It's still a long way to go, but yeah, I've done a few mock drafts myself this off season already uh you know patriots need some help
0: yeah uh should be should be interesting i'm you know definitely looking forward to draft season but more for more looking forward to the playoffs and how that goes definitely make sure you're subscribed and everything to miss all the good stuff we're doing here Uh, again thank you everybody for watching uh live watching after the fact or listening after the fact we appreciate all of you and until next time see you
1: later alligator peace